Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs tonight. We're going to look at uh, several different Proverbs. In a few minutes, we'll read from chapter 6, verse 12, and we'll also look at a proverb, chapter 11, verse 14, if you'd like to find that in your place of copy of Scripture. I'm going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different this weekend in worship services. Typically, I just open a passage of Scripture, and we walk through a passage of Scripture expositionally. That's the preferred method of my preaching, and what I believe is most helpful for us generally as a body of believers, Uh, but I felt impressed to do something slightly different, a little bit more topical this week in light of the recent uh, Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. So I'm going to try to make some sense of that for some some of us. Uh, For me, just to be honest with you, sharing from my heart, I've been a Southern Baptist since before I was born. My dad has been a Southern Baptist pastor. He retired as a Southern Baptist pastor. And so I grew up in Southern Baptist churches my whole life. I remember as a child and as a teenager going to the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention and sitting through some of the most boring business sessions that I can ever imagine uh, as a kid and as a teenager. For those of you that are in the room that aren't familiar, what do you you mean? What pastor, what are you talking about, the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, the Southern Baptist Convention is is the largest evangelical denomination in the United States. There are about 47,000 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention as a denomination, roughly 15 million church members, though unfortunately a lot of those church members can't be found on a Sunday morning to be in their church or churches. Uh, but nevertheless, that's, that's the, 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 the size of the Southern Baptist Convention. Wilkesboro Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist Convention church. We have been for, for decades, uh, I, I think since its founding, Wilkesboro Baptist Church has been a Southern Baptist church. Now, what does that mean for us as a congregation? It, it means simply this, that we are a cooperating church with the Southern Baptist Convention, and a portion of what is given every single week in our offerings is sent through the Southern Baptist Convention's cooperative program to support missionaries and mission organizations, seminaries, and other Southern Baptist entities to continue the work of either teaching and training pastors to teach and preach or sending missionaries to the nations. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention has been around since 1845, uh, and the convention gathered together in 1845 for the purpose of sending missionaries to the nations. That was the intention of cooperation The cooperative program by which we give and support mission organizations has been around since 1925. So it's about 95 years old, that specific funding mechanism to send missionaries to the nations. The reason I think all of this matters is because we give a portion of our uh, tithes and offerings to support those mission organizations and mission programs. And for us as followers of Jesus in in a Southern Baptist church, we kind of need to know what's going on in the denomination itself. Now, I told you, when I was growing up, I went to the business meetings there. The business meetings in the convention are similar to the business meetings we have in our church. They're congregational, meaning that a messenger can speak to the convention, to the floor. There's a process uh, governed by Robert's Rules of Orders to make, order to make sure that the convention meeting functions as it ought to. Business is enacted And the money that is distributed through churches is decided on in a budgetary 
format. And last week, the annual meeting took place in Nashville, Tennessee. I mentioned in last week's sermon, I had the privilege of going there to the convention meeting and participating in some of the decisions that were made. The reason I'm taking this particular message to talk about that is because if you paid any attention to the news, the New York Times picked up stories, the Washington Post picked up stories, CNN picked up stories on the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. Why in the world would mainstream media be concerned about what's going on with an evangelical denomination meeting in Nashville, Tennessee? Well, I think they were concerned because they thought there was going to be a fight. They thought there were going to be arguments and dissensions and frustrations. And to be honest with you, if you paid any attention to things that happened prior to the convention meeting, that was certainly a possibility. Uh, there were some, uh, some uh, accusations by entity heads against certain people inside the leadership mechanism of the Southern Baptist Convention, dissensions and disagreements. Uh, some have said over the years that if, if there's one thing Southern Baptists can do, they can fight. And if they can't fight somebody outside the denomination, they'll find somebody to fight within the denomination. But just to be frank with you, when you have 47,000 churches and 15 million members, you have a whole lot of different opinions and ideas and thoughts about what should be or what could be or what needs to be or how things need to take place. And so what I'd like to do for just a couple of minutes in the worship service today is set our hearts at ease and give you a little bit of the state of the denomination as I see it. If you want a little more detailed exposition about it, you can go to my blog. I posted a reflection post after the SBC meeting. Some of you have already read that. Uh, last week's Thursday show with Gary Buffalo was a special episode that talks a little bit more about the details of the business session. Riveting conversation, I can assure you. Uh, nevertheless, if you'd like a little more detail, you could go there for that. This is kind of a, a high-level overview. Let me say it this way. As a denomination, here's what we need. We need cooperation. We came together in 1845 to cooperate, to cooperate for the purpose of sending missionaries to the nations. Uh, that means that as a cooperating convention, we don't have to see eye to eye on every theological topic or theological subject for us to be able to partner with the other Southern Baptist churches in our county, in our state, and across our nation in order to send missionaries to the nations. In fact, there's a wide variety of disagreement on certain theological issues, even inside our statement of faith, which is the Baptist faith and message. But we need to be cooperative. What does that mean? Well, we need to have good attitudes and Christ-like spirits. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 reads this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Seven things that the Lord detests. And they all really get at dissension and discord and division. And to be quite frank with you, the other week before I left for the convention meeting, I was following Twitter. And by the way, Twitter is probably the worst form of social media that there is. I don't know about the worst. That's, that's probably an exaggeration. It's pretty bad because there are a lot of arguments that happen there. 
And there are a lot of people on different sides of the aisle in terms of Southern Baptist Convention, polity and politics, dissensions and disagreements. And it's one thing to have a disagreement. It's one thing to get in a room and discuss differences of opinions. But unfortunately, a lot of things that came about prior to the convention meeting, some during and after, have been flat-out lies. There have been accusations against certain leaders that were not truthful. There have been accusations about how things were handled that were not right and certainly weren't in a Christ-like spirit. I'm just going to be honest with you. As I walked into the convention meeting, knowing some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff and watching some of that, I was troubled. I was troubled because we give a portion of our money to a denomination, and this is how we're going to handle things. I I was concerned. Some of you asked me questions about uh, what was going to happen at the meeting, who was going to be elected president, where's the direction going. There's concern along those lines. And I went there in part to represent our church, but in part to see what was going to happen. Uh, Let me encourage you. We spent more time in the room praying and seeking the Lord than we did arguing and dividing and getting angry at one another. Uh, There was a fair amount of some of the other stuff and the negative stuff, but there was a a moment where during one of the convention episodes, we got down on our knees and there were about 15,000 people in the room. We got down on our knees and we prayed for God to be a part of our meeting, God to direct us, God to guide us, and God to lead us to a place of humility. The business that came out of the convention was largely handled well, The messengers largely handled themselves well, and I'm grateful that coming out of the convention meeting, the decisions and direction of the convention uh, are are positive. They're positive for a variety of reasons. We'll talk about one or two of those. Uh, One of the reasons why cooperation is important as a denomination, folks, is because uh, we care about sending the gospel to the nations. That matters. That matters to us as Southern Baptists. It matters to us because we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. God found us when we were lost, and he has sent us to people who never have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he wants us to be a part of that. And and every time you give, part of what you give goes to support missionaries that are all over the world in places we can't even tell you exactly where they are because it would be dangerous for the missionary and dangerous for the people they're working with. Nearly 4,000 International Mission Board missionaries are working as a part of your denomination to take the good news of Jesus to the nations. That's encouraging. At the meeting this past week, uh, 64 new missionaries were commissioned to go to the nations. One of my favorite stories came from a missionary who gave up his dream job at NASA. He was working on sending shuttles into outer space. I mean, doing some things that, I mean, hardly anybody gets to do that stuff. And he left that job to go work among an unreached people group to tell an unreached people group about the Savior who could take them to heaven for eternity. That's why we need to cooperate. That's why it matters that we cooperate in a, in a faithful way. As a denomination, folks, we need to cooperate. And I think that's important. I think you ought to pray for that and pray to that end. I think we ought to continue to pray to that end. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to, to continue to support the Southern Baptist Convention in their move to make sure that we send missionaries to the nations. So in our denomination, we need cooperation. I'll talk a little bit more about the convention in just a moment. Let me speak to you about our church. So we're at a unique stage in the life of Wilkesboro Baptist Church. We've been under COVID protocols for a while. In fact, I'm preaching a message on a Wednesday night 
to a pretty full room. It's one of the fullest rooms I've seen on a Wednesday night since we've met back on Wednesdays. Glad to see you here. Glad you're here. And then on Sunday, we'll have three worship services. So what are we going to do? And, and how are we going to respond? What, what, what are our next steps? So for our church, here's what we need. We don't just need cooperation. We need wisdom and togetherness. Folks, we need to be together. God designed us to be together. He didn't design us to be apart. He didn't design us to be disconnected. That's one reason why the pandemic was so difficult for so many because there was isolation. That's not healthy for us as human beings, certainly not healthy for us as followers of Jesus. The, the kind of guiding verse for us in uh, Proverbs is Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. Uh, Solomon writes, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. What do I mean by that? Well, we're trying to figure out what we are going to do, where we have been, and, and what was going to take place. And I'm really proud of Wilkesboro Baptist Church in the best sense of that word about how we've tried to handle ourselves and our church over the last year and a half. Some of the decisions about closing and reopening were outside of our control. Our governor dictated some of those things. Our situation in, the, in North Carolina dictated some of those things. And then some of those have been a response to try to figure out how do we come back healthy and safe. We've installed UV filters in our, in our HVAC systems and we've spread out. And for months, people who came were wearing masks and all sort of things that we've tried to do over the last several months to figure out where we go and what we do. And those decisions were not made in isolation. They weren't made singularly. They weren't made just by me or just by a group of deacons or just by a group of staff members. Uh, they were a, a kind of a concerted decision-making effort. We sat down and we discussed how do we do this? How do we do it well? How do we make sure our folks can come back and gather in worship? And we tried to create a scenario where you can continue to be back in worship, you can be in Sunday school and do some of the things that, that are healthy for us. So where does that mean we're headed now? Now that, I, I don't want to say the pandemic's behind us, but certainly the protocols and the limitations that we faced for so many months in North Carolina, they've been kind of set aside. What does that mean for us as a church? So I'm going to try to share with you where we're going to head over the next few months and ask you to pray with us and pray through us, through, uh, pray for us uh, through kind of our changing protocols and where we're headed back. Uh, for a number of months now, we've been in four worship services. We have a Wednesday night worship service. You're here. Thank you for being here for that. We have three Sunday morning worship services. Initially, we did that for spacing. Uh, and really now we plan to keep that program, those four worship services up for spacing and also for recording. Uh, I'll tell you something that's unique. We have about 300 or 350 people in person worshiping with us each week. That's about what we had worshiping with us in person pre-pandemic. That, that was about our attendance and two worship services on Sundays. Now we have four services and it's about that same number now. But what's interesting is we still have nearly four, between 40 and 50 live devices watching worship at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning through Facebook and YouTube. Not counting Vimeo, not counting those who watch by television, not counting those who listen by way of radio, and that also doesn't count those who go back and watch our worship service after time. Here's what that means. That could be as many as 100 to 125 people continuing to watch with us at 11 o'clock. We don't know that for sure. We know that's devices. So for us, as we look at the number of people attending in person, also the number of people continuing to participate with us, 
virtually for a number of reasons. Some of those are pandemic related. Some of those are just flat out health related. I know some folks that just have not been able to get back in church physically. Their health situation keeps them out. They've, they've gone into that stage of life called shut-in stage of life. And so they're not able to attend and be back in worship, but they're able to watch with us now same week because we're recording on Wednesday and what happens on Wednesday is what's going to happen this Sunday. And so we anticipate keeping the same schedule that we're doing right now through the end of 2021. Maybe beyond that, but certainly through the end of 2021. So if you like the Wednesday worship service, you keep coming back. We're going to continue to have Wednesday worship. We're going to continue to record it. Uh, We're going to continue to rotate praise teams. God gave us two wonderful praise team leaders uh, with Dr. Mike Matheny and Eddie Billings. They do a fantastic job. And uh, the rotation is simply so that we can keep Dr. Mike Matheny and keep Eddie Billings along with us because uh, they're practicing on Tuesday, leading us on Wednesday, and leading us on Sunday. There's four committed times that they're with us, one in practice and three in worship. Uh, and Red is coming back early on Sunday morning with our 8 o'clock service. Dr. Mike's coming back early on Sunday morning with our 8 o'clock service as well. Eddie the same way. And they edit in between. Uh, so it's a lot of work. So the rotation keeps them with us as part-time uh, worship leaders. And there are other reasons why we want to keep the rotation in place. Here's something wild. Do you realize that for some of you who were committed to a particular worship style, you're getting to hear worship in a style that maybe you wouldn't have chosen if you were choosing that particular worship style. You're getting to hear hymns if you've never heard hymns, or you're getting to hear praise songs if you've never heard praise songs. There's a beauty to that. There's a consistency to that. I was talking with Miss Danielle Hicks, who leads our children's ministry. She was telling us that the, the benefit of our kids... Our kids that are worshiping at home, seeing different worship styles and hearing different hymns and different worship music is beautiful for their spiritual development. It, it's glorious. It's healthy. It's right. It's something that Dr. Mike and Eddie and I and Mike Norman and I talked about even before Mike retired and when Eddie and Mike came along. How do we get our church more together musically rather than being so distinct? Well, God gave us a pandemic. I mean, for lack of a better word and what's happened. And so we're, we're in, a, in a process of worshiping together uniquely that, 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 that's wonderful. And, and in fact, I was talking with our last group of Next Steps folks who joined the church recently. Uh, to a person, they said, we love the music. And these are folks that have joined us since the pandemic began. Last June, they said, we love what's going on with our church musically. So for the foreseeable future, Dr. Mike and Eddie are going to continue to lead us in a rotation. And so our worship services are going to look essentially what you've been experiencing is what they're going to look like for a while. We're looking at bringing back some other elements at different times, but that's where we're headed. What does that mean for Sunday school? Well, we need to be back together in Sunday school. I'm going to tell you, for some of our classes, they haven't missed a beat. We've had some classes that have met uh, during the week. We've got classes that meet Monday class that meets Tuesday, a class that meets Wednesday, and a class that meets Thursday during the week. We've got classes that have met by Zoom. We've got classes that have met at Cub Creek Park. We've got classes that have continued to meet. But we realize the need to move forward in bringing back on-campus Sunday school on Sunday mornings. And so while there are a couple of adult classes that may be doing that in July, our target date for adult and children and student Sunday school classes coming back on campus is uh, the first Sunday of August. 
So what we're anticipating is the first Sunday of August, those of you, those classes that do want to come back on campus on Sunday morning, and there will still be a few that stay midweek, that they'll come back on Sunday morning in August, and we're working on getting that list up where those classes meet, who leads those classes, and making sure that information is available to you. We'll have that on the website as far as location, time, and kind of the age group in that particular Sunday school class. We'll have that available for those of you that are interested in getting plugged into a Sunday school class. Our kids ministry and our student ministry will meet back on Sunday mornings in Sunday school. They'll meet back uh, at the 9.30 Sunday school window. Uh, it allows them to recruit to that particular window and, and kind of focus on that. So that'll happen in August. Uh, what, that, what does that mean for Wednesday nights? Well, we're going to worship in here Wednesday nights in worship services, just like we're continuing to do. And kids are going to come back in Awana, uh, full Awana, like we did pre-pandemic. That'll be our Wednesday night programming. That'll happen on Wednesday nights. That's kind of where we are. What do we need for that? We need your wisdom. We need your prayers. We need your participation. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We can't do what God has called us to do unless we do it together. And, and we know the need for getting back together in small groups and getting connected in, in groups, especially for some of you that have joined us since the pandemic, finding connections and relational connections. And so that's what we're aiming for. Thank you for your patience and your prayers with us on all that we're headed for uh, in the coming weeks and the coming months. Okay, so that's the state of the church and the state of the denomination. Let, let me tell you why all this really does matter. Because it does have a very spiritual root in all that we're trying to accomplish. And both our denomination as a Southern Baptist Convention and also in our church, uh, we need to focus on the mission. I'm going to tell you, everything that we do matters, but it only ultimately matters as long as it pushes forward the glory of God and the spreading of the good news to the nations. That's what matters the most. The book of Proverbs even talks about that. Proverbs 11.30 uh, says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. The aim of that particular proverb reminds us that all of the things that we do, why are we on multiple streaming platforms? Why? Why, why are we doing that? Why, why isn't one good enough? Because if someone is going to watch on YouTube that won't watch on Facebook, or someone is going to watch on Facebook that won't watch on YouTube, or if nobody wants to watch on Facebook or YouTube but they'll watch on Vimeo, and they'll hear the good news of Jesus Christ, then that, is, then that matters. Why are we doing four worship services rather than doing two worship services? Or doing one worship service? Well, because if I know some folks that are just not comfortable to be around big crowds yet, Regardless of what society says you can do or can't do or where we are, you know what? If you'll come to a worship service and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and it's kind of smaller and it's great, then that's perfectly fine. We want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Why are we back in kids' ministry? Because we want to tell the good news of Jesus to our kids. And we want to make sure they hear the gospel. Why? Because he, whoever captures souls is wise. Folks, what matters more than anything is that lost people hear the good news of Jesus and have an opportunity to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Proverbs 25, 25 puts it this way, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You realize that when we share the good news of Jesus, it's refreshing? 
You realize that when we as followers of Jesus meet together and proclaim the good news of Jesus, it's refreshing. It's refreshing to unbelievers. It's refreshing to believers. And most importantly, those who don't know Jesus yet have an opportunity to make a faith decision to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Folks, that matters. It matters because God is a good and glorious and redemptive God. I want to tell you something about our convention that, that maybe you, you don't realize. The reason the Southern Baptist Convention started in 1845 is because churches in the South wanted to send missionaries to the nations. But the churches in the North, this is pre-Civil War, did not want to accept missionaries from churches in the South that approved of slavery. And so the Southern Baptist Convention began in 1845 so that they could send missionaries because northern churches did not want to send churches that affirmed slavery. The roots of the Southern Baptist Convention are rooted in slavery and a heritage of racism. And I'm going to tell you something. That, that for some of us, is troubling. It's disappointing. It's disconcerting. One of those things you look back on and say, how in the world can that be? Why, why is that? And, and why is it that God would still seemingly allow a denomination to exist that that's the way it started? Well, for a couple of reasons. One is because if God waited to use perfect people to accomplish his mission, he would have never fulfilled any part of his mission. None of us are perfect. The first disciples weren't perfect. All the denominations that have ever existed have been imperfect. So has the Southern Baptist Convention been imperfect. I want to tell you something about the Southern Baptist Convention that makes me a proud Southern Baptist uh, convention member, uh, church affiliate. Because over the years, we've recognized the sinfulness and the evil that even was a part of our founding. I was at the convention meeting in 1995 when the Southern Baptist Convention confessed to its sin of racism and, and affirmation of slavery at its outset. I was there when we confessed our, our sins of, of not getting that right and asking forgiveness of our African-American brothers and sisters for the way that we treated them or the way our forefathers had treated them. I was there in those moments of confession and of repentance. I want to tell you something, folks. The reason God can use a denomination that started with, with elements of sinfulness, every denomination started with elements of sinfulness, but our denomination, the one we're a part of, the reason He can is because God is redemptive. God is gracious. God is good. God is forgiving. Think about your own spiritual experience. Where were you when God found you? Were you at a place where everything was going right, everything was going good, everything was, was exactly as it ought to be? Absolutely not. You were at a place where you were broken, where you were uh, apart from God, apart from somebody else. There was a difficult relationship. There was sinfulness. There was wickedness. There was depravity. There was unrighteousness. And what did God do? In His graciousness and His mercy, He redeemed you. He chose to call you out of sinfulness and into his light. He, called, call, he chose to call you out of hatred and bring you into love. He, call, he, he, he called you out of wickedness and brought you into righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ, out of his goodness and out of his mercy. There's a redemptive picture there. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we ought to be thankful for that redemptive picture. We ought to be thankful that God would choose to bring us into a relationship with himself. By the way, God's still working. He's still working through imperfect people like us. Southern Baptists don't get everything right. We get a lot of things wrong. We're still going to get things wrong. But I, I'll challenge you to find another denomination that doesn't get things wrong either. 
I'll tell you this, I, I'm convinced that we're not a liberal denomination. We fought that battle years ago, and we're not liberal now. I went to a Southern Baptist seminary, and uh, it wasn't liberal. It's still not liberal. Our denominational entities are not liberal. I'm thankful and, and, and grateful that we're in a conservative denomination, denomination that believes in the Bible, a denomination that believes in the gospel, denomination that believes in sending missionaries to the nations, a denomination that believes in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And close with this story. Her story at the convention last week, or was referenced at the convention last week, about a young man by the name of Chris Carrier. He grew up in the 1970s and 80s. It's at a time when, you know, you'd walk home from school, and a particular day when he was 10 years old, he was walking home from school, and this guy in a van, uh, RV rather, stopped him and said, hey, I'm planning a birthday party for your dad. Uh, will you come help me, and I'll, I'll take you where, where you need to go. So it turned out the guy who had asked him to get an RV lied to him, and, and he ended up kidnapping this 10-year-old boy, Chris Carrier, and it was, was violent and vile to him, and took him into the Florida Everglades and stood a 10-year-old boy out in the Florida Everglades and took a gun and put it to the left side of his head and pulled the trigger and left a 10-year-old boy to die in the Florida Everglades. As providence would have it, miracle would have it, Chris Carrier did not die. He woke up six days later. He was um, in the hospital. His parents had found him. And as he told his story and what had taken place, he had nightmares and he had concerns and he had fears, but he survived. Chris Carrier became a follower of Jesus, became uh, someone who loved God and cared about what, what God cares about. And 22 years after the day that uh, this particular man, David, I believe it's David Wilkerson, Wilkerson David McAllister, sorry. David McAllister pulled the, the gun to Chris Carrier's head. Sheriff's Department called Chris Carrier and said, uh, we found the guy who kidnapped you. He's in a nursing home. Would you like to see him? Chris Carrier said, sure, I'll go see him. He went in the nursing home uh, with, with an eye that still doesn't see well or see at all because of the gunshot. Went in the nursing home, found David McAllister there in the nursing home and looked at David McAllister and, uh, and told him that he forgave him because he had been forgiven by Jesus Christ. You want to know something? Chris Carrier had the opportunity over the next couple of weeks to share the good news of Jesus with the man who kidnapped him with a man who shot him, with a man who left him for dead, and David McAllister became a follower of Jesus. David McAllister had a deathbed conversion, and I believe that David McAllister will be in heaven. Say, Pastor, that's so unfair. So unfair that a, 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 a man who wanted to murder, a man who wanted to kidnap, could be forgiven and redeemed. So unfair that, that God would let a denomination rooted in slavery continue to exist and spread the good news of Jesus. Folks, I want to tell you something. The gospel is unfair. The gospel is not fair. You don't want fair. I don't want fair. Fair would be God sending us to a sinner's hell forever and forever and forever. God doesn't offer us fair. God offers us grace. God offers us redemption. God says to us, I know you don't deserve what I'm going to give you through my son Jesus Christ. 
but I want to give it to you anyway because I love you and because I care about you. And God's going to continue to be unfair to us. God's going to continue to give us grace and mercy and kindness. Why? Because he wants more people all over the world to know the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants you and I to take the good news of Jesus to our neighbors and to the nations. And as long as we're here and as long as we're Wilkesboro Baptist Church, we're going to be a part of that mission, following Jesus and taking his good news to the neighbors and to the nations. We're, we're, how, do we, how do we receive that? Folks, we repent. Like we did in Nashville a couple of days ago, we bowed down on our knees and confessed our selfishness and our unrighteousness and our pride, and not all of us are over all that. We still need work to do, but I'm going to be honest with you. My guess is there's some of you in the room that still have work to do too. You're not exactly where you ought to be. You know how you access the grace and mercy of God? You do so through repentance. Bowing before Him, confessing your need for Him, depending on Him, calling out to Him. You access it through repentance. Maybe some of you tonight, maybe some of you at home need to repent of something in your life, something you're holding on to, some sin that God wants to get at. If you don't know of anything to repent of and you just want to express gratitude, listen, when we sing our praise song at the end of the worship service, our invitation hymn, why don't you just thank God that He's unfair to you? Why don't you just thank God that He's full of grace and mercy and abundance, that He didn't give you what you deserved. He gave you more than you could ever imagine by bringing you in a faith relationship with Himself. I guess the best way for us to close this service is to be reminded that God gave us grace. If you need to repent of something and seek Him, I would invite you to do so. Stand with me, if you will, as we close our worship service. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that though we don't deserve it, you have shown us grace. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that even though we're a denomination that gets things so wrong sometimes, we're grateful that you're patient with us and you're good to us and you allow us to get some things right like spreading the good news of our, our salvation to those who desperately need forgiveness and repentance. Lord, I pray for our denomination. I pray that we line up underneath your mission for your glory to take the gospel to the nations. I pray that we as a church would line up underneath your mission to take the gospel to our neighbors and send the gospel to the nations. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd give us wisdom for all the things that we've got to do in the next months and weeks and trying to figure out how we get our church back to maybe a more normal schedule than what we are used to over the last 18 months. Continue to work in our lives, not for our glory, not for our praise, not because we're good, but Heavenly Father, because you're gracious to us. Thank you for the wisdom you have given us. Thank you for the provision and blessings you have bestowed upon us. Father, we come to you acknowledging that you're good, thanking you that you're faithful, asking you to show us grace, give us the wisdom that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.